Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Schaup, and with us today is a very special guest, Bob Garver, our movie critic from New York. Bob, how are you doing this weekend? Wonderful. Hope you Uh, had a happy Easter. I had a great Easter. That's great to hear. Well, it looks like uh, movies are coming back in full force. You saw the movie Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. What did you think about this uh, action-adventure movie here? Well, um... I, I liked it overall uh, because I'm a huge fan of Bob Odenkirk, um, you know, ever since Mr. Show back in the uh, 90s, uh, following him through uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul in uh, late 2000s up to the present. And uh, now he turns to the action hero role in the movie Nobody. Tell us a little bit about what this movie's about. I, I've heard some people compare it to the Michael Dudle- Douglas movie Falling Down from 1993, where he's just kind of an everyman that just goes on a, a rampage. Obviously, Odenkirk is not the villain in this movie, but uh, tell us a little bit about this movie. What you know? What uh, what character is Bob Odenkirk playing here? Uh, he's playing a lame suburban dad who, it turns out, has a background as an international assassin. Okay. Now, um, the falling down comparison is is apt. Um, it's important to note that in falling down, we learned as the film went along that the Michael Douglas character wasn't so much an everyman who snapped. He was a guy who had repressed a long history of uh, anger issues. And uh, and possibly domestic violence. Sure. Um, and in this movie, Odin Kirk isn't an everyman who snaps either. We find out that he has a background as this as this assassin. Um, another par- a comparison that it's hard not to make with the film is to John Wick, right? Uh, because the main character is obviously a very competent killer of multiple people. Sure. Um, now. What about this movie did you like? Was it Bob Odenkirk just giving a, a normal, good, solid performance? Was it the action? Tell us a little bit about what you, you found interesting about Nobody. Uh, loved Odenkirk. Loved, loved the action sequences. Uh, loved the villain. I don't have the actor's name in front of me, but he uh, he was a real scene stealer. Uh, he uh, starts off by doing karaoke at his bar. Now, is this something that, uh, you know, with with sort of the success that John Wick has had, 
obviously, you know, we're in the, we're still in the midst of COVID. So maybe you're not going to see the big box office returns that you've seen for other R rated action movies before, but is this something where maybe with, with Odenkirk's name attached to it, that we could see a franchise kind of spawn from something like this? I hope so. Uh, they do kind of sequel bait at the end uh, <clears throat> as he's uh, shopping for a house. Uh, and he says, uh, does it have a basement? Cause, um, that uh, played a part in an action sequence earlier. Sure. So apparently he's not quite out of the game at the end of the film. <laughs> you know, obviously Odin Kirk is, is sort of a guy that we see in a lot of dramas. He's a great talker, good character actor. Were you kind of surprised to see him step into a role that maybe you wouldn't necessarily normally see a guy like Bob Odenkirk step into and in, in doing a lot of action sequences and, you know, really kind of going for that hard R kind of action movie? Well, I can't say I was expecting to see him step into an action movie uh, at 58 years old, but at the same time, uh, the guy keeps reinventing himself. Um, you know, I didn't expect him to turn into a dramatic actor, um, you know, when he did with the, with the Breaking Bad and the Better Call Saul. Sure. Okay. But now, what was, your final grade? what was your final grade here for Nobody with Bob Odenkirk? Uh, final grade was a B-. minus. Um, as much as I enjoyed um, the elements I discussed, uh, I felt that the film overall um, was rather derivative of uh, John Wick. Uh, I pointed out a scene where they, he goes to talk to a guy called the barber, you know, and, you know, there's so many of these characters in assassin movies that just name themselves after innocuous job titles. Um, John Wick, off the top of my head, has a guy called the Sommelier, who's, you know, somebody assassins go and talk to. It's just that they do that so often in, in action movies that it's, it's so tired at this point. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you enjoyed it. Kind of a, a, a nice little uh, hit there, a little gem in the uh, spring. But uh, now we're going to move on to maybe what could be the, you know, one of the, the stealers of the Oscar season, Minari. This is a, a, a movie that's really generated a lot of buzz heading into the Oscars later this month. Obviously, they, they just had some uh, success at the SAG Awards. Uh, tell us a little bit about Minari. What's this movie about? Uh, it is about a family of Korean immigrants that moves to Arkansas in the 1980s, I believe, to uh, start a farm. And uh, it's a somewhat dysfunctional family, uh, but they, um, they're they bond with one another and the sacrifices they make for each other, uh, you know, pulls, pulls them through this difficult time. Now, obviously, this is a, a movie that has generated a lot of buzz, as we said. Six Oscar nominations, uh, of course, Best Picture among those. But uh, really, the, the big thing that I noticed this time around, you know, uh, we had performances, Stephen Yoon, uh, most notably from the Walking Dead franchise on AMC. He's nominated for Best Lead Actor, um, you know. Tell us a little bit about what struck you about this film. Was it just the the acting? Was it the writing? What what sort of struck you about this film? The acting. There's so much passion in these performances. Um, it is worth noting that um, the actress who plays the family's uh, grandmother, 
the actress who plays the family's grandmother, uh, and I don't have her name in front of me, is um, won the uh, award, Best Supporting Actress Award at the uh, SAG Awards last night. Sure. And to my understanding, she is the front runner to win the Oscar. Right. Uh, so that's uh, that's something mm -hmm. to look forward to. Well, I, I know, um, know Stephen Yoon, also the first Ameri Asian American actor to be nominated uh, for the Academy Award. So that's also a lot of history made with this film, huh? Yes. Now, I, I don't see him winning. Uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, right. has that one kind of in the bag for uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, as for the Best Picture nomination, uh, of the six Best Picture nominees I have seen, uh, I would I would give it to Minari uh, based on based on those six movies. I have yet to see Mank or The Trial of the Chicago Seven, but out of the other six, uh, this one, which I give which I would give an A minus if I were doing a uh, printed review, uh, would be would be at the top of the list. What uh, you know, obviously, the Oscars are always kind of suckers for these you know these really tight knit family dramas with great writing, great acting, emotions running wild. Um, you know, this looks like a, the type of movie, you know, farming and, and things like that. This looks like the type of movie that really could be a well shot, beautiful looking film cinematography. Tell us a little bit about maybe the aesthetics of this film. What did this film look like? Was it a beautifully shot film or was it really more about those performances? Um, there are a few nice shots uh, involving uh, farmland and involving a, uh, a creek uh, where the... Uh, Minari plants are are actually planted, um, but it's not especially focused on the cinematography. I don't believe. Um, one thing I'd like to point out about the film is that uh, the characters live in a uh, converted uh, tractor trailer bed, uh, which is what my family lived in uh, for the first seven years of my life. So it was relatable on that front. Sure. Well, this this is the kind of movie that probably might, might must have struck you then. Obviously, being able to relate to something, even though obviously uh, it, it does depict a Korean family kind of starting as an immigrants here in Arkansas. But uh, you know, certainly it's it's always great when you can kind of watch a film and relate to it and and say that's that that kind of tells the story of my life, even though it's not the same exact story. But uh, well, it sounds like Minari is uh, definitely high on your list here of of things to watch, and I know. Um, it's still maybe in some theaters around the country, but obviously uh, my hope is that it comes to some streaming services maybe here in the near future so I can maybe watch that uh, prior to the Oscars. But uh, an A- minus from Bob there on Minari, that sounds like a, a great time at the film, at the movies. Yes, and uh, to all listeners uh, within the sound of my voice, uh, if it's playing in your, in your area, um, please go see it. Please uh, support your local theater and this movie. Um, it's it's a very mild PG thirteen, so uh, it, it would uh, you can take the the family to see it. All right, great. Well, uh, so we go from a little bit more understated with Minari and Oscar contender to the big, loud, bombastic Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, obviously, it's playing in theaters, but also uh, streaming on HBO Max as Warner Brothers Slate for 2021 will have a uh, simultaneous release on HBO Max and in theaters. I'm assuming that you saw Godzilla vs. Kong in theaters. Did you, Am I right with that, Bob? I most, I most certainly did on a Dolby screen. All right. Uh, well, in a Dolby theater. 
All right, great. Um, well, this is this is kind of this is what you know. This is the type of movie that you know is made for movie theaters. Am I right? I, you know, I watched it at home on HBO Max in 4K, but uh, obviously, you know, it's it's hard to replicate the theater experience. Yeah, no, it's it's um, not the uh, same when the characters are are only yay big, right? Um, so what did so you know? Obviously. You're not you're not expecting a movie like this to be an Oscar contender. So, you know what what did you think about Godzilla versus Kong? I know this is what maybe the fourth movie in this uh, MonsterVerse franchise, uh, with the two previous Godzilla movies, and then Kong Skull Island rebooted the King Kong character. But what did you think here of uh, Godzilla versus Kong? Um, it was okay. I liked it when I like uh, King Kong as a protagonist. Uh, you know he's he's a very uh, enjoyable character, and he gets the job done when he needs to. Uh, Godzilla, not so much. He's just there to to fight Kong and uh, you know create an obstacle. Sure. A um, lot of emphasis on on the human characters uh, played by Alexander Skarsgård, Rebecca Hall, Brian uh, Tyree Henry, Millie Bobby Brown. Um, none of them are very interesting, save for the. Uh, girl playing Rebecca Hall's adopted daughter uh, who communicates with King Kong through sign language. I thought she was a nice little little uh, element of the film. Well, obviously, you know, most people are probably going to this movie, you know, especially when it's titled Godzilla versus Kong, expecting to see set, you know, action set pieces, visual effects. Did, sure. did Godzilla yeah, versus Kong deliver for you on that? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, the only thing that was uh, predictable was that uh, I know they keep wanting to make, I know that they're going to keep wanting to make money with these characters. So I kept, you know, anticipating how they're going to make this movie end in a draw. Right. Yeah. I mean, I saw this movie, like I said, on HBO max, it looked gorgeous in the, in the 4k uh, transfer. Um, I would have, this is the kind the kind of movie though, that I probably would have enjoyed seeing on the big screen with, you know, uh, the largest screen possible and also surround sound as well. Um, I liked it as a B movie, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Kong skull Island, which was sort of just a classic kind of B movie feel where it wasn't trying to be so serious. It wasn't trying to make you, you know, think about, you know, different elements to it. It just wanted you to have a lot of fun, have Samuel L. Jackson yelling a bunch of stuff. This is a, this, this, for the, I think for me, this movie was kind of like that. Um, you know, I think the Godzilla movies, when they rebooted Godzilla, maybe a little bit more story driven. They tried to be a little bit more story driven this time around, you know, we're, we're talking about a pretty breezy, less than two hour runtime total. Um, I think it, I think it succeeded ultimately for me, what I was expecting, which was, action sequence upon action sequence. And I think they did a pretty good job of uh, destroying Hong Kong and destroying some votes. Twice. <laughs> right, right. Um, ultimately, I liked the movie. What did you think about Godzilla versus Kong? Did you have a final grade? I, I, I liked it. Um, hey, I will uh, give you a, a preview of the uh, print review um, where I say that the, uh, the two Godzilla movies uh, that led up to this they were about a three out of 10 um, individually. And, and Kong Skull Island, that was a little bit better. That was about a four out of 10. I think the logic in making this film was that they were going to mash them all together yep. and uh, try to make a 10 out of 10. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, overall, uh, you know, 
kind of a fun time. It also, I think one of the most important things that Godzilla versus Kong did, whether you like the movie or not, is it really sort of reinvigorated the box office. Uh, yes. Looks like a $48 million over right. a five day weekend. It's already the third biggest movie since the pandemic and it's going to sail past uh, Tenet and the, uh, the crudes and new age uh, by next weekend. Possibly in the next few days. Now, at the theater, were was it busy? I mean, did you see a lot of people going to see a movie like Godzilla versus Kong, or are they still, you know, is it not really, you know, busy even for a pandemic kind of screening? Well, I mean, the social distancing was certainly in effect, uh, but to my understanding, that the showing was sold out. Um, okay. I didn't, I didn't get a great look at the rest of the theater, but uh, it, it must have been as as crowded as it could have been. Okay. Well, you know, a nearly a $50 million opening weekend. And then, of course, you had, uh, I think it was over $120 million internationally, which is a lot of, you know, where we get box office successes internationally. But it's got to be encouraging, though, from your perspective as a theater lover to, to see a movie, you know, maybe reinvigorate the population and wanting to go back to the theaters. I know a lot of people have talked about, are theaters dying? Are they going to die with COVID? This obviously is probably, uh, you know, going to turn a shot that shot of life right absolutely um you know I, I know we've seen do you think that and i know we've seen disney you know disney plus is not going to carry black widow and with premiere access they will but they've still have a theatrical release in mind in july do you kind of feel like now that kong's you know that, that this godzilla versus kong movie has done so well that people might lock in the studios might lock in their release dates rather than continue pushing them back? Or do you think maybe they might push them back even more knowing that maybe, um, you know, a little bit less COVID and a little bit more uh, vaccination might in, improve the box office? Well, I think, um, I think we're going to see a few movies actually move up because there's a few um, gaps in, uh, in, in weekends between blockbusters. So we might see a few movies uh, try to jump in, to those um, little gap weeks, like um, in in two weeks, uh, there I don't believe there are any um, mainstream releases scheduled uh, between Voyagers and Mortal Kombat, and the week after as well, uh, same thing. I think we'll probably see something try to jump in there, um, so that there's there's some new release that weekend. Um, and otherwise, no, I don't see too many other films getting pushed back at this point. Okay. It'll, it'll. I mean, there are always movies getting pushed back for one reason or another, but I don't think we're going to see too many more pushbacks because of COVID. Well, overall, you know, whether you like the movie or not, you've got to be pretty excited about the rest of this year, knowing that, you know, the theaters are still, you know, alive and breathing and, and certainly not have not been knocked out just yet. Is there anything uh, that you're, you know, could be blockbuster, could just be, you know, an understated film like Minari that you're that you're interested in or excited to see here during the summer months? I don't, um, well, the thing about understated films is you don't, um, you don't look forward to them as such. You just, uh, wait for, wait for them to get released and you wait for, for the reactions to pour in. Do you have any blockbusters or summer movies that you're, you know, I know Black Widow seems like it's been more than a year now since it's delayed. Uh, any, any movies, any summer blockbusters or anything in the fall that you're, uh, just excited to see now that, you know, Maybe the, the box office has been reinvigorated. Um, I've I've uh, talked with this with um, uh, 
Chris, uh, I, I believe is the guy's name. And um, he, um, I've talked about No Time to Die and how, you know, that got pushed back at the beginning of the pandemic. We were like six weeks away from that one at the beginning of the pandemic. And that got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Now it's coming out in, uh, I believe, September or October. But that's the one I've most been looking forward to. And that's the one that is uh, symbolic of the, let's say, inconvenience of the pandemic, if that's, if that's the right word. Well, and obviously, you know, that's a bit, it's the, the 25th anniversary, the 25th film anniversary of James Bond, uh, and likely Daniel Craig's last uh, performance as James Bond. I think there's a lot of excitement. No, uh, that one's, that's been going for over 50 years. I don't know where right, you're getting. Right. The, 20, the 25th anniversary, the 25th film. Yeah. Okay, yes. The 25th film in the franchise, not anniversary, but 25th film in the franchise. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, you know, are you, are you a fan more of the Daniel Craig, James Bond, or do you like maybe more of the, the Sean Connery type James Bond, or maybe the Pierce Brosnan type James I'm, Bond? I'm, 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 I'm a big fan of the Daniel Craig. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always one to look for, look, uh, toward the future on these things. Um, the Connery Bond is of course, probably my favorite other than Craig, but Craig's, Craig's probably my favorite. I know they've, you know, since he's taken over, they've obviously gone to more of like a, like maybe a Jason Bourne, Bourne Identity yeah. type James Bond, where gritty, he's I think the, is, yeah, gritty, the gritty, gritty butt gritty. kicker type, rather than the, you know, the, the vodka martini with the twist or, you know, shaken, not stirred. So obviously, you know, this, this kind of is the end of an era for Bond, you know, as sort of, do you, do you think they're going to continue on with sort of this, you know, muscular, butt-kicking James Bond, or you think they might maybe go back to maybe the Sean Connery type where it was more of the cerebral James Bond with a little bit of action? Uh, I don't think they're going to cut down on the action in the Bond movies anytime soon. Sure. Okay. All right, Bob. Well, any other final thoughts or anything that you're seeing this weekend or anything, anything that you've seen that you're uh, maybe interested in uh, talking about next week? Well, um, this coming weekend is a movie called Voyagers. Um, I've also got uh, Sound of Metal uh, that I've seen, and I'm, uh, I'll be prepared to talk about next weekend. Um, also, possibly The Unholy, uh, a horror okay. movie from this past week, uh, again, that uh, uh, might be happy to discuss uh, next weekend. All right. All right, Bob. Well, as always, we appreciate your time here on the Ohioan Podcast. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody out there gets start going out to movies or watching movies and uh, enjoy uh, your time at the theater or maybe in your home if you're still uh, avoiding them because of COVID. But uh, we definitely appreciate your time as always, Bob. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. See Minari if you can. Very All good. Right. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.